Welcome everyone. I'm Luca, PhD student at the Center for Law and Economics at ETH here in Zurich. And I'm super excited today because we have the chance to talk to Professor Ralph Martin. Ralph is an associate professor at Imperial College in London. He also directs the growth program at the Center for Economic Performance at the London School of Economics. According to his website, his research focuses on things that increase economic productivity without compromising the natural environment. And today we will discuss his recent working paper, Environmental Preferences and technological choices. Is market competition clean or dirty? Welcome, Professor Martin. So before we dive deep into the discussion of the paper, why don't you give us a brief summary of the background of the paper and of the paper itself? Of course. Uh, it looks at uh, climate change and climate change is an environmental problem like many other environmental problems and there's a traditional way of how economists have looked at this. It's that we are basically in a, in a what is sometimes called a prisoner's dilemma. There is pollution and we all are polluting and I might not like it but I cannot deviate from this unless I'm sure that everybody else is not polluting and so I will continue polluting just because I cannot control everybody else. So we need government intervention to do something about it. We need uh, in the case of carbon, carbon prices or some other regulation that makes sure everybody is adhering to the, the better behavior. And uh, especially at the level of the, the world, this is very hard to achieve because we don't have a sort of overall world government that could imp impose and enforce this kind of thing. Um, at the same time, you know, it's clear that this sort of way of analyzing things in economics might not be the only way of how you can look at it. I mean, it's very clear that people are acting uh, what we might call a clean way, even though they are not coerced by, by any government regulation. So people buy clean electricity, even though they don't have to. People buy electric cars, even if they don't have to. So that means that actually uh, clean is part of what, what people want, even if there is no regulation. So there are what we sometimes call pro-social preferences. And that has been documented in, you know, in, in, in this kind of thing, but also in, in smaller things like how you behave with others. You not always try to get one over over the other people. There are a lot of experiments that show that people value fairness uh, with respect to their peers, and that's part of having pro-social preferences. So this this has been around for a long time. What is new in our paper and that we developed there is that we're integrating a model of this into a model of innovation by companies. And uh, this basically means that companies can respond to uh, these preferences that people may have for pro-social things, for a clean environment and clean products. And then this might influence how they innovate, the kind of innovation investments companies are doing. And then it can uh, determine what we call the direction of innovation. If, is the direction of innovation going into making dirty products ever better or is it starting to go into making clean products better? Um, so that's what we start, they're having a model, but then you know we also have an empirical part where we show 
then what well, does this even matter empirically? I mean, we know, you know, there are clean companies like Tesla or clean electricity companies, um, but you know, does this uh, matter very much for for the world as a whole? And that's important because you might say, okay, there's some clean people around, so to speak, there who like these clean products, but really this won't, you know, do something for the for the climate as a whole or the environment as a whole, because there's still a lot of people around who don't care for this, and it's not enough to have just a view of them. Um, so we're just going to take this to the data. We look at uh, companies uh, in, the, in the automotive sector and see how they're exposed to different markets where people might have these preferences or might have these preferences to a lesser extent. And uh, we examine uh, you know, their innovation behavior and we see that there is a sort of a, uh, a quite strong effect of this on how companies behave. So as you mentioned in your paper, you develop a new model um, to analyze the impact competition and consumer preferences have on green innovation. You study whether firms um, invest into more or less polluting technologies. Um, and what is the advantage of your new model um, compared to the more traditional model where competition lowers prices and low prices induce mass consumption and therefore more pollution? Well, it's, it introduces a new channel of how firms can respond to these clean preferences. And the competition part is, is important because once you have these pro-social preferences, which I, which I mentioned before, then um, developing clean products uh, becomes part of how firms uh, can respond uh, to competition they face. I mean, as you were saying, normally, you know, you might be a bit worried about more competition from, um, uh, from a uh, climate point of view. Because more competition means, or having no competition means firms don't produce enough. So you might say, oh, now we have more competition, that means firms produce more. And you know, all the people who are worried that what is causing the problem is overconsumption, that that's what's causing the climate problem, or that there are a lot of people who think, well, it's bad if we grow, right? So in a way, having more competition means we grow more, we produce more products, we have more pollution. But uh, what we show is once you have these pro-social preferences and integrate them in a the model of the firm, then basically uh, becoming clean can become a part of what sometimes is called escape competition. You, you, you get out of the strong competition, get, go in a new market where you have less competition, which could be the clean market. And uh, that's basically the new mechanism. And that introduces the possibility that uh, having more competition means less pollution. In fact, what, what we argue, it's a bit of an inverted U-shape relationship, right? So if you have just a little bit of an increase, it might mean you actually have more pollution. But if it goes really, uh, if, it's, if, if the pro-social preferences are a lot stronger, then more competition means uh, um, uh, overall a cleaner outcome with less pollution. Okay, so now we know about the advantages of, of your model. What are the risks? The model as such is not a big risk, but you know, the, the risks might come uh, once we are talking about what sort of are the policy implications, right? So one danger I see is that, you know, if governments hear about this, they might conclude, well, you know, it's no longer us that have to do something. It's, it's, it's good enough that consumers have these preferences and, um, 
and then we go in the right direction. You know, it's all working without having to have strong government policy. But I would argue, you know, we, we need, I mean, the, the situation is quite, quite urgent. We need to quickly transition the economy from the state we're in at the moment into a clean state. And so we need to have, it's more like a call for using all the tools we have. And, you know, we have spent a lot of time, especially as economists, worrying about uh, carbon prices and, and recommending carbon prices. But of course, uh, it has rarely happened to the extent we think it should happen because it's politically often very toxic. Uh, I mean, actually, we started writing this paper, you know, when uh, when in, in, in France you had the Gilets Jaunes uh, protests, which was basically a, a very moderate increase in, in fuel prices that sparked a massive um, massive protest wave all over the country. And of course, you know, in hindsight now, the sort of increases in, in energy prices we have seen now are nothing compared to um, to what, uh, what, what has happened then or what the government at the time was proposing, which was sort of less than a 10% increase in fuel price. But nevertheless, you know what we are saying, it's sometimes hard for governments to, to do something about prices. Here is sort of potentially another lever you can pull. You, 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 we see that uh, social preferences affect the direction of innovation. Well, social preferences are not sort of happening in a vacuum. They, they, they change. Actually, one of the things we see in the paper is that they have changed a lot in the last 20 years. They actually, for a period, uh, social preferences for clean, so to speak, you know, and this is being measured by asking consumers around the world, you know, would you be willing to, to pay a premium for a clean product? Would you be okay with a... Um, with a, a carbon tax or something like that. And of course, it's always, you know, it's not the majority who is totally in favor of this, but there's a sizable minority that says, yeah, this is cool and we should do more of this. Anyway, so um, these things have changed you know, uh, over time. And I think uh, we should be worrying more as, as governments and economists about what affects these preferences. How can we possibly influence them through education or information? And, and that in itself can be a mechanism to, to move forward in situations where maybe we cannot impose as much uh, a carbon price as we would like to, or not as fast as, as we would like to. Uh, and so it's just an, a different policy lever that we have there. Interesting. Uh, thank you very much for sharing your research with us today. And uh, maybe to conclude, uh, last question, what do you think are um, the recommendations for the policymakers or what policymakers can take from this and what are areas that require further research? Well, for the policymakers is what, uh, what I just said, uh, you know, it's, it offers a new mechanism uh, potentially to, to affect the, the transition towards a cleaner economy. Uh, but of course, to do that, we need to know a little bit more of what affects preferences of people. I mean, the big surprise of this paper for me was how much the preferences have changed. And we used this variation to show if it made any difference to the innovation behavior of the companies. And we show it does, you know, in similar order of magnitude as uh, price changes might do. But what we haven't done yet, uh, but what we want to do in the future, and maybe others can, can, can do that, is understand better why have the preferences changed that much as they have to changed? And what sort of are maybe factors that can help us to change the preferences more into a, a pro-social direction in various countries? Thank you again, Professor Martin, for being with us today. We are very much looking forward to your future research. 
and to all the listeners and viewers. We hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did and hopefully see you next time.